we're going to go a little different direction today. You can be seated. Neil, we'll probably, we can just leave this because we're going to get back to it. So, team, if you guys want to go, you can go be seated. We may call you back. morning that our uh, little service schedule that we have wasn't nothing but a um, skeleton but that we weren't depending on it I said Lord we'll just operate by that until you decide to do something different looks like he has I want to enter into this word while this anointing right now is fresh because I believe that they're tied together a lot of times there's a there's a, a moment that that there's a break and we do other things and that's that's great but today it was supposed to flow and and we'll get to the other things that we were going to do at the end. Uh, and those of you that are still around by then, you could participate in those things when we get to them. I want you to get your Bible and turn to the book of Zechariah. We're going to talk today about depending on His Spirit. Here in a few minutes, we're going to be looking to Zechariah chapter 4. I think that today's word is going to be uh, uh, one that will be that you, some of you are going to mark as a special day in your life. This is a marked day for some of you. Kind of like Easter Sunday, I told you, was one of those days for our church as a whole. Today is one of those days for you as individuals where I believe that um, the Holy Spirit is going to encourage some of you and instruct some of you. And it's going to be a day that you'll remember from now on as far as how the Holy Spirit dealt with your with your heart. This text that I'm reading from today, I need to just give you a very quick foundation before we go any further, and that is that God's people had over and over again chosen not to obey him when, the, when he had said, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring you out of bondage, I'm going to give you your own land, uh, I'm going to be your God, I'm going to push all your enemies out of your way, but you have to put me first. We're going to have a covenant, an if and then covenant, if my people, if my people will follow me, then I will. And 
God's people had broken that covenant and they had done it over and over again and time and time again and for so long until finally he allowed them to go into a, a time of punishment. In fact, they lost the city of Jerusalem. They lost uh, Israel and Judah, lost their lands and they ended up in a time of captivity. By the time our text that we're going to read takes place, God has allowed some of the people to come back to Jerusalem and the city is starting to be rebuilt. There are starting to be the sounds of people in the streets again and houses are being rebuilt. And God had chosen a couple of key individuals, specifically Zerubbabel, who was the governor, and Joshua, who was the high priest, who at that time, those two were the most... Um, they were the highest of authority in the land. God had specifically chosen those two and allowed them to be put in this position. At the same time that he raised up these two men, the governor and the high priest, he also began to speak to the hearts of two men, just regular guys, and he called them out to be prophets, and their names were Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai was one of those who was living among those who had come back to the city and he saw what was going on in that everyone had come back to the city, gone about their life, rebuilding the walls, whatever, rebuilding their houses. But Haggai noticed that the house of the Lord or the temple still lay in ruins. God had allowed the enemy to destroy it all those years before. And Haggai went to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and he said to them, it's not right that you are worrying about your houses and you're getting your houses right and getting all your stuff straight. And he said, and my temple lies in ruins. It's not right. Oh, how I wish that leaders today would respond the way those two responded that day to the word from Haggai. And the governor and the high priest said, you know what, you're right. It is only right that we should begin to take our time and effort and talents and start working on the house of the Lord again. And so they did and their enemies hated them, but God was very pleased. And God knew that because of the way the enemy would come against Zerubbabel, specifically being the governor and the one being allowing all this to happen and take an active part in it, that he would become very discouraged if he didn't send a word. And so... There's a couple of passages before I get to the text that I want to read to you that he specifically sent to Zerubbabel to encourage him as he was being under attack for taking on this monumental task of reassembling in, in the, the temple. Haggai told him in, in Haggai chapter 2 verse 23, in that day says Jehovah of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant. And I will make you a signet, for I have chosen you, says Jehovah of hosts. And then Zechariah came along in chapter 4 and verse 9, and he said to Zerubbabel, said, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall also finish it. And you shall know that Jehovah of hosts has sent me to you, for who has despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. I read that and I thought what an encouragement that would have been to Zerubbabel. In the midst of 
of all that he was uh, taking as far as from his enemies, that he was being uh, ridiculed and mocked and berated. Yet God himself chose to speak through two prophets to bring him these two specific words. And how encouraging that would have been to him to know that he was doing God's work and that God was with him no matter what obstacles he was going to encounter. And I'm thankful today that the word of God is living and applicable to us. I'm thankful that when we read passages like these, they are not just historical accounts of something that happened to people thousands of years ago, but there is always fresh inspiration in the word for us as individuals. And I recognize that not anyone in this, in this room today has been given the monumental task of trying to rebuild the greatest structure in Jewish history but the tasks that God has entrusted to us are no less important to us. Amen. And the things that he's calling you to do are no less important to you than what that task was to Zerubbabel. And so this is a living word. It's applicable. And there's some principles that are found in the text that I'm taking you to that are promises to you that I had never Never noticed, never had dug around in this long enough. I'd read it lots of times, but I never dug around in it long enough to pick up on these specific principles that I think are going to encourage some of you to press on through to the thing that God is calling you to do. I don't think we do damage to context when we take this word as a living word and apply it to our lives specifically. I think a lot of us are in the process of working hard to build the kingdom of God and battle against the kingdom of darkness. And we need to hear words like these on days like these. And they've been set up. This has been set up for you to hear this word today. So I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Keeping in mind today we're going to be depending on his spirit. And listen to the words of this text where that then Zechariah says to Zerubbabel, and he answered and spoke to me saying, this is the word of Jehovah to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the top stone with shoutings, grace, grace to it. If you've been around the church very long, I'm saying several years perhaps, then you remember the song we used to sing that came from this very passage of Scripture. This mountain shall be removed. Remember that one? Is there a mountain in your path, a river deep and wide? You remember this song. It's not by might, not by power. By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. But I wonder if you've ever taken the time to look on into verse 7 and find what it is that as a person who depends upon the Spirit, you have the right to expect. I wonder if you've ever gone that far to find out what all of this actually means. And so before I can get to those three, those three truths that I want to share with you, first of all, I want you to understand what it means when he says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit. I want you to, I want to break those down. I want you to understand what the word might means. He said it's not by might. There he is saying it's not by your might. 
And the word might there means many things. It can mean force, wealth, virtue, valor, ability, activity, or worth. It can mean all of those things. He is saying it is what, what you're going to do for the Lord is not going to come about because of your force or your wealth or your valor. And then he said, and it's not by power. You said, wasn't that the same thing? Well, there's an implication. There's a different implication here. The first implication is that this is what you can't do. The second one is what an army can't do. By power is the authority that goes beyond your individual might and now becomes the power of a nation, of a king, of authorities that rule. So he says it's not by power, and the word power here means... Vigor or capacity or means or strength. Get this in your mind. What you'll do for the Lord will not happen because of your physical strength or your money or your wherewithal. And even if you could call upon governmental powers to help you with all of their capacity, they couldn't get it done either. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And the word spirit here means... It's not just that thing that we feel that we so like. It's not just that anointing. But there's a definite definition that goes along with this. When he says it's not by it, but it is by my spirit, he is saying it is by his breath. It is by his life. It's by his courage. It's by his mind. Get this in your spirit for a minute. What you're trying to accomplish for God, you cannot do in your own power, wealth, strength, valor, virtue, whatever you come up with. Even if you could amass an army and with all of its capacity, they could not get this done. But the scripture says that God, by only his breath, by just a thought from his mind, just a breath or a thought, out of his capacity of courage, can move every mountain that you and armies together could not move. It's not by my might. It's not by our power. It's by his breath, life, mind, and courage that all things can be done. Now, 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 we're just getting into this. We haven't even gotten to the good part to you. I'm just explaining to you what verse 6 means. We've sang it forever and talked about it and preached it. But that's what those, those words broken down. You understand now what God was saying to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, you have underta- undertaken a monumental task. And you have lots of enemies coming against you. And it's true that you can't get this done in your own might. And it's true you can't get everybody around you and still get this done. But I can just speak a word. I can just breathe. And this thing that you're trying to do will get done. This calling on your life will come to pass. This ministry I've told you to do will take place. All it's going to take from me is knowing you're with me. And when you're with me, then it won't matter about your might or your power. I will speak the word and open the doors. There's an anointing on that. Hmm. God is God over everything, over Satan, over hell, over every foul creature that could ever come against you. 
But in order to get the gist of this promise, you got to look on to the rest of this text. Look at verse 7. I want to show you these three truths. You ought to write these down. Here's what happens when we depend on His Spirit. You're beginning to see why that's necessary now. Because your might and all of our power can't do what just His Spirit can do. So He says, depend on my Spirit. Depend on my Spirit. I can't depend on my own flesh. I can't depend on whatever wisdom or might or strength I think I may have amassed in all these years. I can't depend, but I can depend on his spirit. And I want you to notice now, for those of you that, that determined to depend upon the spirit of God, what you can expect as your promise according to this word in verse chapter 7. In chapter, or verse 7. The first thing that he says will happen is this. Mountains will become plains. This mountain shall be removed. Mountains shall become plains. And that means that, that every hindrance that's standing in your way to get this work done for God is going to be pushed out of your way. What looks like to you as a mountain becomes a flatland when God breathes. You can't, but he can with, with just a word, just a breath, just a thought. That, that sovereign providence and authority and power and energy of the Most High will remove any hindrance and obstacle aside. When the enemy comes against you, he's coming against God and God will move him out of his and your way. When you're living your life depending on the Spirit, then the enemy coming against you is not coming against you. It's coming against God. And God won't have that. This mountain shall be removed. Pastor, I can't get past this. I can't get over that. I can't figure out how to tunnel under here. I can't go far enough to get around. I don't know what I'm going to do. This thing just stands in my way and keeps me. Every time I start thinking I'm making some kind of a headway on this, this enemy comes against me again, just wearing me out. I can't get where I'm going. No, you can't. But God can. Just a breath, just a thought. And the mountain becomes flatlands. You still with me? If you're with me, wave at me. It gets better. For those of you that think there's no way I'm going to ever be around to see this thing accomplished. God gave me something a long time ago. I, wish I, I just wish I could live long enough to see it come to pass. Let me tell you what the next one says. Foundation stones are completed with top stones. That's what the verse said. What does that mean? Do you know what a top stone is? The top stone is a headstone. Not a gravestone, not that kind of a headstone. The top stone is a headstone, and when the top stone is laid, it means the project is finished. Zerubbabel had laid the foundation stone, and now Zechariah prophesied that he would also lay the headstone. What's he saying? He's saying that he will complete the job, that nothing would keep it from being completed as God desired. If he called you to it, he's going to see you through it. 
Nothing would keep it from being completed as God desired. Nothing could keep the vision from coming to pass. There's no hindrance. There's no distraction that can stop this. No lack of provision. No poor health. No discouraging news. No tragedy. No enemy can stand in the way of what God has decided he's going to do through you. If God is for you, who can be against you? It's not just a trite saying that we say to get folks to holler and shout. It's to get down in your spirit. If God is for you, who can be against you? When just a thought or a breath can change everything. You will see the finished product. The scripture says that you're more than a conqueror. That means you're not just a conqueror. Sometimes I'd take just a conqueror. I'd just be good winning. He said, that's not enough. You're mine. You don't just win. You're going to be more than a winner. When God calls you to something, he will finish what he started. And no one or no thing can keep that from becoming a reality. The top stone is going to be laid if the foundation stone has been laid. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm getting up in age. How is this going to be? How am I going to live long enough to see what the Lord showed me all those years ago? I'm telling you, he's promising by his word. It just takes a breath. It just takes a thought. I love this last one. The third one is double favor rests upon it. What do you mean, pastor? Look at the last part of verse 7. He says, shoutings, grace, grace to it. He said, I don't know what that means. Well, I'm going to tell you what that means. You know what shouting is. That's what happens when you get real excited. Zechariah told Zerubbabel, when this thing gets done, you're going to hear people shouting. You're going to hear people crying out and they're going to be excited because grace, grace has been applied. Wait a minute, not just grace, but grace redoubled. What is grace? The kindness, the blessing And the favor of God. So he is saying in this case that here is what would be applied to that person who depended on the spirit. At the culmination of this thing that he has given you to do, that he is going to bring to pass. Somebody's going to stand back someday and say, double kindness, double favor, double blessing is on that. That's why the enemy's fighting you so hard. That's why you can't get over this mountain. So that's why every time you get well, you get sick again. That's why every time you start getting ahead of it financially, here comes a bill you didn't know was coming. That's why every time you finally get your life together, somebody hits you with something else that distracts you. Because he does not want you to ever get to a place that people would stand over you and say, Grace, grace! 
That's God, God. That is the double blessing, the double favor, the double kindness of God upon that person's life. Oh, the devil hates that. Remember when I told you a week or two ago about the seed that had been sown and how that you can't stop the seed because of the law of the harvest? That's what's happening right now. The devil knows that if you, if you don't stay distracted, if he can't keep you distracted, you're going to get on fire and eventually you're going to do what you're sent here to do and you're about to change the world. He can't have it. He's got to keep attacking you where it hurts the most. We're going to celebrate the the double kindness and the double favor and the double beauty of God. So they said in this. So he said in this passage when he's prophesying, he says, "Not it's not it's just not the grace. It's there be shoutings, grace, grace, grace upon grace, favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings." How wonderful to be a part of days like those, huh? That's what happens when you depend on his spirit. When you see this thing through to the end. When you say, I don't care, devil, what you do to me. There's sometimes that you get to thinking that it might not be the devil. It might be the Lord allowing it. Some of us have prayed those prayers. God, even though you slay me. The older I get, seems becoming the, I seem to be becoming the more resolute. I become more dependent on the spirit. I told Deb a few couple of weeks ago, she lifts weights with me three days a week. We work out together. That's our thing that we like to do. And I told her three weeks ago, I said, Deb, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I can't lift as much weight as I used to lift. I'm getting weaker. I don't like that. I'm getting weaker. There's a part of me that struggled with that saying, if I get weaker... If I get weaker, if I get lesser, you're way ahead of me, aren't you, Jerry? If, 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 I, if I start going downhill, if, if I'm not as physically strong as I used to be, if, I, if, I, if I'm not as good as I used to be, then I'm not going to be able to see what God put me here to do. God said, no, 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 it's just the opposite. Because it's in your weakness that I'm going to show my strength. Some of us are getting real weak. Aren't we? Some of us, the battle keeps raging. We've been in the storm. Remember the storm? We've been in the storm a long time. He just keeps on bringing it. He just keeps on sending winds and waves and difficult obstacles our way. But God just keeps on sending Zechariah our way. He's saying, it's not by might. Not by power, by my spirit. Depend on my spirit and you'll see this come to pass. The double favor of God upon your life. If he's chosen you, be diligent now as much as ever. Even if it it seems small, you remember what we read in the text? 
Don't despise the day of small things. Even if it seems small and unimportant, get busy carrying it out because there are no small tasks with God. If He sees it as something necessary and He laid it on your heart, then take that thing on with joy and depend on His Spirit and you are destined at that point to experience grace upon grace. You're going to face an enemy and you're going to have to fight. But you're going to win. You're going to be victorious. You're going to have an amazing story to tell. And you're going to have redoubled favor on your life. So what is it that he's calling you to? Think for a minute in your spirit. Some of you may be struggling with that. Well, pastor, I'm not called to preach. I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you that. I asked you, what is it? What is it that God is putting in your spirit and you haven't done yet. I didn't ask you to, that, that. I didn't call you to preach. I, I didn't ask you that. It might have been something as simple as God told you. I want you two weeks ago. Go down the street to that person that lives two doors down. And tell them I love them. And you hadn't done it yet. It could be something like that. It can be anything that God has told you to do. And you haven't done it yet. And you would say I haven't done it because I'm afraid. What if I'm wrong? Let me tell you what's. You want me to tell you what's terrifying? When you're standing in a line praying for people and the Holy Spirit tells you to go up to someone and tell them, I know about, and you had never seen them from thunder. You don't know nothing about them. And he goes and tells you to tell them, tell them I know about the divorce they're going through. Well, God, what if they're not? Tell this person I know about that cancer that they said that they have that's in their, you know, and you're like, in their left lung. Well, God, what if they don't? But God don't lie. God tells you to do something regardless of how small you think that is. That's the first step onto the path of bigger, bigger things. It's, a, it's rungs in a ladder. God's seen if you're going to be faithful in a few things, he can make you ruler over many. You've got to be faithful in the little things. What's he called you to do that you haven't done? Why haven't you done it? I've been afraid. Why have you been afraid? I just don't think I can get it done. You're exactly right. You can't. But he can He's looking for you to be obedient. Just be a vessel. You don't have to save them. You don't have to heal them. You don't have to change their lives. You don't have to fix their problems. You don't have to do none of that. All you got to do is be obedient and depend on the Spirit. And God will make the mountain flatland. He will finish the project. And He will add His double favor to the situation. If you will just depend on his spirit. It's your word today. God's encouraging somebody to obey him and depend on his spirit, not themselves. He's promised all through his word that he's going to help us. He's going to equip us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to fight for us. He's going to bring this word itself to bear upon the task. The promises of this text are yours. They're yours. They're yours. Now I'm going to ask Neil to come back. Because now it's time for you to deal with this whole morning. Holy Spirit has set up this whole day for you. For you specifically. 
All of those of you, man, I mean, I got a feeling that it's, that it's probably 80% of the people in this room that I'm talking to. You're sitting there right now and your faces are turning white. Your eyes are open wide and you're scared to death because the Holy Spirit's convicting you. See, I told you, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you just blow this off. I want this done. And I'm going to do it, but I want you to be the vessel. I'm not going to change my mind. Some of you young folks have a calling on your life. You do feel, some of you do feel called to mission 